Blog Talk Radio. Fifth Dimensional Living with your host, Diane Bachberger. Diane has been given message from the fifth dimension and higher to bring greater peace and understanding to the lives of others. She lives and experiences these higher dimensions to help our world come into balance and to raise to a higher vibration of love. You can find more information on Diane on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash dbachberger1 as she shares great wisdom with the world. Let's welcome your host of Fifth Dimensional Living, Diane Bachberger.
the totems I want to talk about, because in fifth dimensional consciousness, everything around us in the moment has significance. And if you're seeing different animals or insects or things are appearing from in front of you repeatedly, you know, some people call that a glitch, like something's going on, so it's making you aware of it. You know, in the Matrix, he kept seeing the cat go by and then the cat would go by again. It was like a repeat repeating pattern. It's just to make, I think, us aware of what's going on. I'm just going to take a drink of water and just to pay attention, you know. What, what By the Matrix, I mean the movie The Matrix with Keanu Reeves. You know that one? Anyway, um, another, you know, so the blue butterfly is uh, a totem that I've been seeing. And actually on the weekend, I was, while well, I was going from that, phase that you go through between dream time and wake time I had my eyes shut and I saw this blue beautiful blue light butterfly it was incredible and I was like wow you know I've seen the blue pearl you know within the mind's eye or within that part of the head between you know the the forehead the forehead chakra and the third eye anyway um another one that I've has been drawn to my attention is Pegasus. And I've talked about Pegasus before. The squirrel, and just hang on, I want to cough. The squirrel has great significance. You know, there was a squirrel that walked up to me and went up on the fence and actually looked at me while it was eating. You know, animals get very close to me. I also want to talk about a change in dream time. And, you know, what's going on energetically. So humanity right now is going from, you know, two strands of DNA to 144 strands of DNA. So there's a lot of electrical stuff going on. And a lot of people may have felt it. Um, One of the things I talked about last week was purpose. Um, And, you know, I'm not going to talk about it today, but this is the year of the monkey. And I kept getting... um, you know, I get different messages and stuff. Quit monkeying around. This isn't a message for humanity. And start looking at the real purpose of what you have ahead of you. Okay? It's not about... It's about focus, I guess. Um, and then this morning when I woke up, I, I, I got, just go do what you love and love will follow. So, and then also use it or lose it. You know that expression? Um, there's things that we have to look at right now because there's a lot of shifting and changing and transitions. And, you know, a lot of people may have found that they're losing muscle mass, you know, especially we, as as we get older. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Another thing I heard before I woke up this morning was echoes of laughter from before. Like sometimes I hear songs and I hear lyrics. And sometimes they're very beautiful. And I had a kind of visual from that. Um, You know, sometimes, especially um, last week I was talking about um, going through these Saturn returns, and I'm going through Saturn return in Sagittarius. Um, You know, I was feeling the energy that I had shifting and I guess it's just about the teacher and about learning 
and then you know seeing beyond what we have experienced but you know we keep getting these echoes of laughter because by laughter i mean memories um from before and what was really strange was um a friend of mine's moving to this house and i went with him and his family to go look at this house and i realized that it was just around the corner for where my um aunt and uncle used to live in this town it's it's a very small town um and so i was thinking to myself you know i'm going through my second saturn return you know in sagittarius and you know this at that moment you know i was thinking about it that i'm actually going back to place where i used to go quite a bit and i used to go visit my aunt and uncle and it was one of my most favorite places so it's almost like i'm being given a gift to be able to go back there okay but you know when we live um dimensional consciousness there's a lot of release of energy <clears throat> and this release of energy you know causes things to happen around us and you know at a cellular level we're holding a lot of energy and it, it it's caused a bit of problems for some people maybe in the form of uh fibromyalgia you know there's um you know repeat repeating patterns and i got that message the other day repeating patterns cause toxicity if you don't go beyond them so at a cellular level i was talking last week about storing an energy and certain medications uh, like blue one in pills block you know the lysosomes so we're going to talk a little bit today about clearing some of that energy, you know, if if we have time, because I'm going to talk about a lot of things. And I also want to talk about the canary. So that's a lot to talk about. So I will I will start. And it's it's um I just also got it's getting beyond those emotional, you know, that we've we've held on to and just, you know, taking that giant step forward. Uh, I talked a little bit last week about uh, memory and the different processes that entail with memory and a little bit more about how when we go through um, chakra awakenings like we have been doing and humanity's opened up the eighth chakra, well, you know, things have been stored in our memory. And I I want to, I don't know, it, it, it's going somewhere to go. Um, I do know, but it's it, everything's in the moment in fifth dimensional consciousness, okay? And, you know, it's it's about knowing. It's about connecting to, to source and having that faith that, you know, everything unfolds in that moment. To understand... A little bit about memory and cellular memory and things that we've been holding is important for humanity right now. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it. Um, so, you know, the first part 
and I talked a little bit about it last week, was, um, you know, looking at retrieval, okay? And how how important it was right now, memory retrieval, and how it's distorted in 3D. The In 5D, we're um, focusing in the moment, so everything you experience in that moment, it's the most accurate, you know, visual and um, in, in that moment, okay? So, so much... Um, Storing of memory isn't as important as fifth dimensional consciousness. It's different, okay? So what I'm talking about today, there's encoding, consolidation, memory storage, and retrieval. Last week I talked a little bit about retrieval. It's funny, we're going backwards instead of forwards. It's just the way it's happening. And um, I I have... um, you know, read a few different articles and that sort of thing. Um, there's many different types of memories. There's many different types of memory processes. There's memory disorders. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that go on with the brain. But the brain has to do with, you know, 3D, the way that things get processed right at this moment with humanity or most of humanity. It's changing. Um, Basically, storage, it's a passive process um, of retaining, you know, keeping memories, okay? But I did talk last week about how it's distorted. So there's sensory memory, there's short-term memory, and there's long-term memory. So you may go, like when I went back to that little town that I experienced as a child, I had a sensory memory of it, you know, like I could almost taste and feel what I was feeling at the time. You know, and some of us have more of that type of memory than other people. I have a friend that he always says to me, how do you remember all these things? He says, I don't remember any of that stuff. Well, I guess, you know, there is more brain white matter that's in those areas within my brain. So each of these different stages of human memory, um, they they basically are sort of a filter. Um, You know, when you have, you store things, it's it's not running in through your head all the time, okay? So we're not always having that flood of information. And when you're living in the now, you're not even... You're thinking about what you're thinking about in the now, not everything else, okay? So it's it's it has to do with the past, linear time. So anyway, so some people feel overloaded with information, other people don't. But actually, the filter that we have is to prevent to prevent us from having too many things bouncing around in there, you know. And some people do have that happen. Um. I guess with certain, the way you store memories, like some people have their short-term memory affected. If you can get it into your long-term memory, um, 
like if you get it, you think of something for like 30 seconds, you can get it into your long-term memory a lot better. Some people have to think about it a lot longer. And, you know, I was getting that message this morning that if you don't use it, you lose it. So it's important to keep that brain active. You know, when you're in school and you're doing things, that's good. But if a person's isolated, like elderly people sometimes, and they don't get a lot of stimulation, it actually, that's not a good thing. So the process of consolidation is the stabilizing of the memory after its initial acquisition, but we go beyond that. So long-term memories, it's, it's important to know that they're not stored in one part of the brain, but they're distributed throughout the cortex. You know, they've actually got, some people have thought long, long-term memory was stored in the synapses, somehow in there. You know, there's been other, a lot of different theories. Um, after consolidation, when the, it gets into the brain, um, they're stored in the brain as groups of neurons that are, are, you know, primed to fire together in the same pattern as they were created in the original experience. So it's, you know, like when you have a certain pattern um, and you recognize the place, it triggers neurons that are going to, you know, have you have a, a memory of that. In, in you know a fuller memory, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So when I went to that town, I was looking around for my aunt and uncle's place. You know, I had the memory, hey, this is a town my aunt and uncle lived in, and then I saw their house. Then it started triggering memories that I had, the places I went, like the corner store, the backyard, and then you know the places that I used to hide in my aunt's house when I was a little child. You know, this is really all, actually all really good memories, you know, fantastic memories. So these group of neurons, um, they're tri- once they're triggered, they reawaken different areas. So, you know, it may trigger other things that you have in your childhood. You know, I've heard of people going back to certain places and it triggers memories positive ones but i've also heard of people going back to places and triggering negative ones but the thing is you know right now we're purging a lot of karmic things at a cellular level and this is why i'm talking about this so you know your visual cortex when you have a memory you know it's like a, a picture appears in your head or a smell or something, it, you know, when a person's more visual, like I am, the neurons in the amygdala, you know, with that have has to do with emotion, they're also stimulated. Um, so it, this is an encoding process. And they came out kind of uh, maybe backwards, coming out the other way. So once you process a memory, this is what I'm, I'm, information I'm getting right now when you trigger it again it kind of goes in reverse so maybe that's why I'm talking about these things in reverse you know that I talked about storage last week Um, so if one memory trace is wiped out within your cortex 
in different areas. Um, there are other duplicates or alternate pathways elsewhere where the memory can be retrieved. You know, so what, basically what I'm saying, and some people who have strokes, uh, uh, if their part of the brain gets damaged, you know, with training and blood supply going to other air, more to other areas and being uh, rerouted, um, memories can still be retrieved because they're processed in, in more than one spot, okay? So if they're not stored, you know, last week I was talking, if you want to see what's going on, you can have the books, the book shut. And if you listen to the end of the show, I talk a little bit about that. We have to have things open. So it's to be to retrieve these memories to begin with, we have to open them up. But, you know, memories aren't stored in our brains like books, okay? Uh it's like you have to it's like retrieving memories from a whole, diff, a whole bunch of different places. But, you know, the, these triggers happen so quickly because they're going through these synapses and these pathways. Um, it's like basically getting things from a whole bunch of different places. Like when you, if you think about it, you get it, one from the kitchen sink, one from a book, one from under the bed. You know, there's places that are op- in the open, but there's places that are deeper, embedded. You know, we talk about the embedding. Um, so they can be actively reconstructed from areas of your brain by the encoding process, okay? So memory is a process, and it can be reclassified, rerouted, and um, it's an ongoing process of re classification and it results from the continuous change in our neural pathways and the parallel processing of information in our brains so you know I didn't even think about this place for a long time that the town that I went to my aunt and uncle but it triggered a whole bunch of memories just being there okay but you know we could have the memory one memory of something and it can trigger a whole bunch of other memories but are these memories, are they processed where you can remember them? You know, some people have more recall than other people. There was a show on television where this person had to- total recall, but she had triggers. So if you don't have any trauma or neurological disease, the human brain has the capacity to store almost unlimited amounts of information indefinitely and a lot of people say oh my brain's too um too clogged up i can't take any more information but you may be at that point where you're thinking about a certain thing and you're focusing on it and it takes energy but when you have the eighth chakra open storage of memory and retrieval of of memory and also knowing which is goes beyond what we have stored within us. It's a lot easier, okay? I guess that's basically why I'm talking about these things. That retrieval will not be as important when you go into fifth dimensional consciousness because you'll be more focused in the now 
but the knowing will click in and these memories will get triggered. And you, you know, people will say to you, how do you remember all that? Well, besides the kitchen sink and under the bed and in the fridge and in the book, I'm connected to source. So it triggers all those memories that I have in the book of life too. And other places. So anyway, um, you know, a lot of people forget things. And um, they say it comes from incorrectly or incompletely encoding memories or having problems with retrieval. But, you know, sometimes if you're under a lot of stress, like I, I was in real flow, I was feeling really good and I was remembering all this stuff. But if I had been anxious, you know, I'm just using it as an example. Um, pretty much all the time I have pretty good memory, but say somebody's really anxious and they're focused. When you're anxious, sometimes you're really focused in the now. But you're also all over the place and thinking of the future and thinking about the past, so it's like a whole bunch of things being triggered at the same time. So it's like a ping-pong ball bouncing all over the place but going nowhere. So... um I hope that explained it. You know, that's why you can't retrieve information as easily because it's not going anywhere. It's just bouncing all over the place. So the information is clearly storage. We, our memories are always there, okay? So basically why I'm talking about this is, you know, these memories are in our bodies at a cellular level, even from past lives. So they do affect us if we have them stored there. And, and, and to some people, repeated lifetimes cause a lot of holding of karmic energy, which affects us in um, sometimes in a negative way, and it can affect the health. So um, it's all about right now putting that energy forth to retrieve this information and look at it and let it go. So retrieval cues are important. Um, Looking at the reversed encoding of information of lost memories, which, like I said, is stored within us at a cellular level. Um, You know, some people say, well, go through hypnotherapy and uh, psychotherapy may help trigger some things, but it's only if you really want to do it, okay? I, I've done a lot of this type of work, and I've talked about it. I'm talking about with myself to, to do this retrieval and to go through it. Um, it's really bizarre, but there's been circum- or instances where I've been involved in, in some things that went on whether it's good or bad, I, I'm not going to focus on that. But um, people that were there totally forgot that I was there. So the traumatic, when something is traumatic, it may cause you, um, you may be so cued into that moment that you will not have all the details encoded in that memory, Okay but you still will have that memory stored somewhere within you. And um, 
by me talking with this person, I was able to help him have a lot of memories of what happened that day. But it was only because I had actually gone through the process myself. So there's unlimited amount of storage within the brain. There's unlimited amount of storage at a cellular level. But I guess at at some point when this process has been going on for you know, eons and stuff like that, it's, it, it can seem a little overwhelming, okay? But it's only because we think it's overwhelming. Um, there's this Richard Schiffrin, um, a scientist, that he says all memories are stored somewhere in the brain. It is only in the retrieval process that irrelevant details are fast-forwarded or ex-purged. You know, it seems more like that memories which are stored in some way or edited and sorted in some more peripheral details are never stored. But, you know, within our book of life, everything is stored, okay? So it's it's all about accessing that. Forgetting. You know, there, there, people always think about, you know, storing and stuff like that. And when they think about forgetting, they think something negative. Um Forgetting is temporary. Forgetting is not... um, I'm talking about in 3D memory sense. So to retrieve a piece of information or memory that has previously been recorded in the brain, this forgetting follows a logarithmic curve. So information lost quite rapidly at the start. So it becomes slower, slower... slower as time goes on so what we do have stored within our brains a long-term memory um after it's in long-term memory it doesn't get um this peripheral um stuff being flung off anymore um so if you've learned something very well like rote memory when you were a child or something like nursery rhymes and things, you'll be able to remember them years later or a language. They're very resistant to forgetting. So, especially after the first three years. Amnesia is forgetting. Um, may have to do with um, a traumatic event or some brain injury, but... Um, that memory will still could could still be triggered. You know, you hear people being hit on the head and they don't re- remember who they are, but it's the information's still there. You know, um, and it can be retrieved at some points. Um, one thing that that scientists are not quite sure of is about material that is forgotten. Um, some people say, like I said before, that long-term memories um, do start to become less and completely over time disappear. Some scientists have said that. But um, the memory trace remains intact as long as we live, but the bonds of cues that allow us to retrieve the trace become broken due to changes in the organization of the neural network. You know, uh, so some people think that there is, um, you know, memories go at a certain point and, and you'll, you won't be able to remember them. But I happen to believe 
that just our brains reorganized and some memories may not seem to be as important. So you may look like you have, you may find that long lost book, okay? Um, It still exists. You know, you've seen some television shows where they can't find this book and then somebody finds it and it's a long lost book. So we we have a lot of those long lost books within us. Um, some people are assigned to say forgetfulness is a normal part of the aging process, and um, that we lose connections and they start to die off and the brain shrinks. Um, the hippocampus, which is part of what is crucial for memory and learning, is one of the first areas of brain to deteriorate with age, according to some people. So it's important that you use your brain. You know, you do different things to trigger different memories and, you know, always use your brain. Um, you know, they, they've done these studies too, and this is, this is really kind of weird, but I've, I've heard, I've, I've been hearing a lot about this lately too, that if they take blood from a young mice and then they put it into older mice, that the old mice um, shows a significant burst of brain cell growth in the hippocampus area and vice versa, leading to the speculation that the young blood may represent the antidote to senile forgetfulness and other ravages of old age. Um, And they're doing this with Alzheimer's disease also. But it may just be in the kidneys and different things not being able to clear this out. Just like, um, you know, there's a lot of toxic things um, within the body with fibromyalgia and the kidneys aren't clearing out certain things. So it's really important that we keep ourselves clear and um, do cleanses and different things like that, but also use an exercise because growth hormone is produced when we ride, you know, like a bike or go for walks and things. There's this neighbor that I had, and um, she was quite overweight, and she didn't exercise, and she was really running downhill. And eventually she started to exercise, ride a bike, and do all these things. She forced herself. And you wouldn't believe the the difference that I've seen within this lady. You know, um, anything can be reversed, you know, and and it's almost like repeating what what caused the problem in the first place, reversing it the other way, okay? But it can be done. Um, and another thing, it may not be possible to delete memories at will, but we can have, um, like I was saying before about this a traumatic events, where we actually want to forget, like a fugue reaction. It's when the traumatic event is so traumatic that, and it's so horrific that we don't want to remember it. It it happens to people. So these memories tend to be imprinted even more strongly than normal in their emotional content. So if we don't want to deal with that emotion, um, but if we allow ourselves to deal with the emotion later, it'll trigger all those memories back, okay? So they talk about this, uh, and I've read about 
the use of beta blockers, propranol, which they people use for anxiety, for blood pressure, when people have high blood pressure. Um, it may be possible to tone down the emotional aspects of each such memories, even if the memories themselves cannot be erased. I know this lady that was a friend of mine years ago that was taking this uh, group psychotherapy, and it was very, very traumatic for her because she had to go through group psychotherapy herself. So in order to be a group psychotherapist, and I've done some of this work myself when I was in psych nursing. I had, you know, if I ran a group, I had to do the psychotherapy myself to be able to, you know, actually do it with other people. But it was triggering a lot of really painful memories for her. So she took beta blockers while she was going through this. And it was the only way she could deal with all the emotion that came behind all these memories. But the memories cannot be erased. But the way you recall them and the way you feel about them can be less traumatic. So the the act of recalling stored memories makes them more bendable or you know another thing that i've 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 seen and i've used too is when um the reason why i'm talking about all these memory retrieval and stuff like this is because um right now humanity is going through a great purge and all these memories are coming back to them I've talked on shows about how people have called me and said, I've suppressed this memory for 70 years. How come all of a sudden I'm remembering it? You know, it's pretty traumatic. So, you know, maybe there's a point in our lives that we look at all our stuff. It's, you know, consolidation of things. But I know younger people that are having this experience too. And I've experienced it. So once, picture uh, watching a television screen and seeing it, removed from you um and it makes it more malleable and makes it well you'll have the emotion with it but you'll be able to release it and not i guess what i'm saying is there's been there was so much emotion when the the memory was encoded and stored that when you release it that emotion and that trauma comes back because you've stored that thing okay you don't want to have it come back where it's going to knock your socks off and make it really traumatic what you're going through. So um, some people know enough to be able to do this with encoding, you know, and putting it into uh, memory. And, you know, I had something really emotional happen um, the other day, and I choose to look at it without reacting in this emotional way. And I dealt with it and talked about it, and then when it was stored, it was, you know, milder, okay? When we live in fifth dimensional consciousness, things are stored within us in a different way. Our emotions aren't as extreme. You know, we're, we we don't live in duality. So, um, and then it goes on to say there are drugs which can inhibit proteins that enable the emotion memory to be resaved. So, you know... Do you want to do that, though? You know, you might remember lose memories that were associated that are positive, that have contributed to who you are today, okay? So 
No, it's basically, um, you know, I I, I kept getting messages about um, just the way humanity is going through right now. I wanted to talk a little bit about fibromyalgia because um, I think, you know, there's a lot of toxins in the environment now, all the GMO and all the other stuff, but also we're releasing a lot of energy right now. And when energy is released in a physical realm, it can be a little toxic, okay? Um, There's an article here... um, by Dr. Joseph Bebby, and it's Dr. Bebby, Joseph, uh, not, I don't know why I'm saying Bebby, it's Debbie, Um, D-E-B-E, and uh, just, you know, Google it, and they talk about the management of fibromyalgia. So the different things that, um, if you're feeling, um, a lot of people say it's called ascension, um, you know, and and it when you go through ascension and you release a lot of those karmic memories, um, it affects the body, okay? Because people aren't in living in higher frequency, even though it's it's happening to people, okay? So uh, in this article, this person talks about um, you know chronic aches and pains, stiffness and fatigue. And um, some people get diagnosed with this. Basically, it affects the the sheaths over the muscle tissue and it becomes inflamed, okay? And some people say it has something to do with the calcium phosphate. Within the body, there's too much and the kidneys can't get rid of it because there's an overload. There, there's a lot of different things that are involved here. And they say there's no laboratory test to definitively diagnose this disorder or this disease. Um, They diagnose it with pain above and below the wrist on both the left and right sides of the body in combination with tenderness to finger pressure. You know, um, I have had it. And what it, it, you get these kind of pressure points, but they're like lumps. And um, it's almost like these... um, bumps and they come and go and they can be anywhere in your body okay i i don't get it anymore but i i did so i i can talk about it i guess you know i'm a healer and the only way i can heal in others is to have understanding and have gone through it myself and i'm sure that this is the reason why i've chose to be here chose to experience these things so i can shift them within other people and understand the energetic level of it and all the other stuff. So anyway, they just basically talk about what it is and um, this finger pressure test. So minimum of 11 out of 18 specific spots in the body. And, you know, there are other conditions that can cause the same symptoms. So um, they have to be excluded before the diagnosis of fibromyalgia can be made. And this has to do with blood tests and different things, because it could be thyroid disease, arthritis, you know, um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, Lyme's disease, gout, connective tissue disease, and others. And um, anyway, it talks about where, how, 
who it affects. It's women from 20 to 25, or 55. And um, there's other symptoms besides pain and fatigue and uh, restless sleep, irritable bowel syndrome, depression, anxiety, cognitive impairment, and altered immunity. So it, it affects the memory, you know. Um, that's why I'm talking a little bit about it too. And it has... Um, Fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome and multiple chemical sensitivities share many similarities, and each condition causes unknown. So it, it, it does talk about genetic predisposition, but in fibromyalgia, environmental factors such as are important. And, you know, sometimes the person's been in a car accident and there's multiple trauma. You know, it could be fell, falling out of a tree and having... Uh, a broken leg, and it can trigger and cause, you know, the start to this. Um, I think it has to do with somewhat to do with these karmic uh, cellular memories, too. So, you know, there's multiple chemical sensitivities involved in this, too. But if, you know, you're storing things at a massive level within your cells, and, and you can't detoxify the cells, like say you took the pills with blue one in them or something. That might be just as simple as what has caused your problem. So it's about clearing at a cellular level for humanity right now. Um, But one of the things that I do want to talk about, I talked about impaired energy production with muscle cells and the lysomes and and the mitochondria and that sort of thing last week a little bit. Fibromyalgia has to do with ATP um, system and do a little research with that. Um, so these mitochondria are power, you know, like mini power plants, and they convert food and oxygen into energy within your body. But if it's interrupted, the drop in energy production causes fatigue and pain because you can't, you know, get that toxins out of your body, so it stores itself up in your cells. But I think that if we've stored a lot of things up in our cells in a cellular level, it's a mirror in a physical realm that we're doing it in our cells, okay? So it's just a mirror of you have to do a lot of karmic release, basically. So what I'm saying is fibromyalgia to me is a reflection of having to do a lot of karmic work and releasing a lot of that energy and that is part of the ascension process, okay? And it causes those symptoms. Um, this, And then, you know, humanity is going through this DNA shift, too. So a lot of energy is going into doing this. So it is affecting, you know, the energy within the cell, too. Um, many things can happen that cause a disruptive aerobic phase of energy production within these mitochondria. And when you have chemical toxicity and nutrient deficiency, on top of that, it makes it even more of something you have to really look at. So, you know, I'm talking about all these things that I'm talking about today, and I'm kind of trying to go into detail and so people have a little bit more understanding about it. I've never really talked about it all in one shot before, but I know in the now it's important. So this free radical 
production, you know, with GMOs and with the chemical crop and the chemtrails in the air. You know, our bodies need more antioxidant defense, and they need to be able to clear themselves out. These things alter the structure of the mitochondria membranes in the DNA, and they cause damage. And it's difficult to repair sometimes. You know, on top of everything else that's going on, you know, in a spiritual ascension level. You know, it makes you wonder if certain people are doing this to prevent humanity from being able to do this. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, and, and also, they, I, I've also heard people talk about hormonal balance. You know, with the food and different things that we've eaten in the GMO, there's causes the hormonal balance to be off, you know, and foods that, like, different things like that. If if an animal that is used to grazing and eating different types of food, like they're feeding them um, soy or something like that, it's going to affect this food at another level. It's going to cause more problems within us. And that's why the GMOs are causing cancer and a whole bunch of other things. It's important that we take ourselves away from these types of foods and try to eat foods as, as, as natural as possible and drink a lot of pure artesian well water or clear as water as we can. Um, exotoxins and endotoxins may contribute to um, metabolic problems that manifest as fibromyalgia, okay? There's a whole bunch of different reasons why. I'm basically saying there's physical reasons, there's... Um, past life reasons, there's spiritual reasons. Um, you know, th- these exotoxins are, you know, pesticides in the food and lead in the drinking water. And even antibiotics and pills, they cause damage to the lysomes in the mitochondria. The endotoxins are poisons produced within the body with the chemicals from hundreds of trillions of bacteria and yeast in the digestive tract being... Um, sources of this sort of thing. You know, my son's doing a candidia cleanse right now to bring in the good bacteria within the body, the ones that, you know, help us manage our body and produce vitamin K2 and all those different things that we need within the body. You know, what cow's milk, that, you know, when cows eat um, grass, they produce more K2. So any thing that you can do to make this K2 level and it helps clear the arteries out and cleans cells at a cellular level so it's important that you do these things to try to clear these toxins do different cleanses liver cleanses kidney cleanses you know if you've got fibromyalgia and you're not being able to clear calcium phosphate out of your body you know it might be a, a thing to think about So toxins from any source may interfere with the complex series of chemical reactions that require you to convert food into ATPs. So so there's different things. This is reduce the load of toxic substance entering the body, strengthen the body's barriers of defense, support the body's process of detoxification and elimination. And, you know, there's a lot of different steps that go into this, but basically the gist of it. So... Go back and look up. I'm I'm just going to see if there was a name to this article. Um, let me just see here now. 
The Natural Management of Fibromyalgia by Dr. Joseph Debbie, D-E-B, circumflex over the E, okay? So, you know, we're going through a lot of change and um, changes. Talked about my second Saturn, you know, coming. That You know, there's big changes going on in your life. Um, I want to talk about the butterfly as a totem because I think this has to do with you know, this what's what's going on right now. And I don't want to f- focus too much on that toxic clearing at a cellular level, but we're going through a purge in many different ways, okay? Um, and I was seeing a squirrel this morning, and I was he walked right up to me, and he got up on the fence, and he was eating some food, and I was thinking, gee, you know, the squirrels mean storage, you know, and there's there's a bunch of different things that have to do with it. But I was thinking, you know, he, I think he's still retrieving the stuff that he stored. And, and I, I was just thinking about it at this moment. That's probably why I was seeing the squirrel. And that's probably why I'm talking about the things that I'm talking about. It's it's interesting. I, I, I get this information and in knowing what is important to humanity. At a, um, the butterfly, metaphysical meanings. Um, you know, there's there's a lot that, you know, it has to do with metamorphosis and change, but it also has to do with acceptance of change. You know, um, there's different steps. You know, the you think about, um, you know, the butterfly hatching and the caterpillar and the chrysalis or the, what do they call that, um, cocoon. And then it goes through that other process and then it becomes the butterfly. You know, the butterfly has to open up its own um, chrysalis or cocoon because I'm talking about butterfly and the moth um, because it needs that to to be able to have the energy to be able to live. So when we're going through this metamorphosis, and this is just what I'm saying right now in this moment, we're using a lot of energy. And our energy is going into that change. So we don't have as much energy maybe at that cellular level in combination with all this other stuff that's going on. So we need to use that energy for that change, okay? So part of the change, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't, you know, don't want to do that and I don't like change. It's acceptance of the change, this totem means that there's acceptance of this change. It has to do with, uh, on a metaphysical level, the transformation of the soul. It has to do with healing. You know, I was talking about healing yourself. It has to do with having fun, renewal, rebirth, um, joy. You know, I was in this place and I was having these memories of my childhood and they were all really good memories. And it was almost like I was rebirthing this joy. So it's a, it's all about love and laughter, the butterfly, you know, and this, you know how they flit on different plants, and they, they look happy. And it's about transcendence, between even between dimensions. You know, I was talking a little bit how dream time is changing on Facebook, and I was saying that it almost seems like our dreams are so much real. But another thing, 
what we think may be dreams may be actually that we're traveling to other dimensions or parallel universes. And what we're seeing is actually ourselves in that life there. You know, when I was talking about um, the time, and I call it halftime or tween time, between being sl- being asleep and being awake. It's about like being semi-conscious. And when you're in fifth-dimensional consciousness, you're sort of in that all the time. So it's like your life is a miracle. Things manifest and happen. So this has to do with a lot of different things as butterfly, the feminine energy, the magic. I was talking about, you know, um, on Facebook too, about being magi, being magical beings. Humanity has no idea who they really are. But it it's showing us who we really are or we're going back to who we are, or at least the memories of who we are. So we just have to kind of shift through all that other junk memories to go to the real important core of everything, you know, to go back to our core. It's about shifting. It's about freedom. This is a lot of power. And it's it, it bring, Butterfly brings messages to us about resurrection. You know, I had a dream, and this is, I don't, I can't really call it a dream. It's kind of in between a dream and a parallel universe. But I was having a dream that I was laying in bed and a friend of mine's father ended up in bed with me. And he was completely naked, but he was like in his 90s. And I was like, holy crap, you know, like he's back. And then all of a sudden he jumped out of the bed and became his younger self. So it's about being rebirthed, you know. But it was really a powerful dream. And he got up and he was doing all these different things. Just like, it wasn't like he forgot his past life. But it was like he was just living so much into the now. It was pretty amazing. But the butterfly also, getting back to the butterfly, it's about element of air. You know, the Aquarius is about water and the feminine energy coming back. But it is also about... um, you know, electricity, which humanity is going through the change within themselves, becoming more electric. So it's it's about a lot of different things. It's also about the manifestation of thought. You know, it was talking about how we process our memories and, and thought and all these things and the retrieval. Um, it has to do with this, too. I didn't know that, but I do now. I didn't know about the air thing, but it, you think about it, a butterfly flies through the air. It's about celebration and transition. So, you know, I know going back to my aunt's place and having this dream about uh, rebirth and resurrection and all this other stuff has to do with um, me going through some of that myself, but also humanity going through it. You know, the divine feminine essence of the goddess is contained in the butterfly. So when it enters your life, it brings in a time or ushers in a time of important changes. So I saw it in this between time, this um, beautiful light butterfly. Physically and emotionally would transform your life into a higher recognition of yourself. So, you know, I went through a time recently where I could have taken as a lot of rejection from a lot of people, but I chose to see it in a different way. You know, to look at that part of myself within myself. 
And I did. So I think that's what the blue butterfly represented to me. I, I got past that. I was ready to fly. And I am t- integrating and in, in, in seeing the uh, Blu-ray part of myself. And that call myself Diane Blue of the Blu-ray. You know, I just started feeling that. Um, so th- it, it reminds us to be positive and joyful in times of change. You know, you could be resistance and be angry. And I've seen people, you know, panicking and going crazy when they've had to make changes. I saw somebody this weekend just go berserk. And, you know, it's important that we don't react to these people. And we, you know, because we see beyond this, okay? It says butterflies will often gather around true love, soulmates between people, and the experience of new realities both in the physical and the world of spirit. And passed over, a loved one may utilize a butterfly to send your message to you in love and joy. Well, this person that appeared to me and started talking to me and went from being old and basically dead and reviving, um, became youthful. I had gone to a celebration of life the week before, and we had put these butterflies on the tree, you know. And I think it was his way of telling me that we do live forever. We do, um, our energy is always there, and this butterfly symbolize that too and angelic beings also symbolize that you know the winged being and always being there for us i'm just going to take a drink of my homemade dandelion tea you know when god puts things around us there's a reason right so i think that i should utilize it and that's the butter you know i was going to say the butterfly tea the dandelion tea. Butter, I also leave my dandelion, some of them out, so the butterflies and the bees will have um, food, right? So the butterfly animal totem, butterfly spirit guide, people that have this totem carry joy in their hearts, infecting others lucky enough to be in their presence. Having butterfly animal spirit will guide you on a path of self-transformation, working towards and evolving as a spiritual being. So this is a big time for humanity, seeing that butterfly means, you know, humanity is going through this transformation. The butterfly will always provide the strength to move forward, solving issues and offering healing. Along the way, butterfly spirits are attuned to the harmony of the earth and are sensitive to the environment. Dreaming of butterfly awaken us to the dance of life with lightness and color. Um, the butterfly mythology is all around the world, Okay. And Native American Indian legend tells of a butterfly granting the wishes of to people to the greater spirit for granting. You know, um, you can use the butterfly as a manifesting uh, totem. I do to get things uh, that you want to flow towards you. And when you live in fifth dimensional consciousness, it's not about focus on money and things like that. I, I talked a little bit last week about how. If I try to manifest in the 3D way, I can't do it. But if I do it in the fifth dimensional way, it comes really easily. So, you know, I've experimented and stuff like that. So other people that are set in 3D can manifest in 3D way. But sometimes things come pretty instantly. And, uh, you know, I got this tea. I was thinking, hey, I wish I had a cup of tea. And then somebody just showed up out of nowhere 
and brought me a cup of tea. So either they're reading my mind or I'm I'm sending out little vibes. I, th- I happen to think it, it's probably a combination of both. So in some parts of Germany, there is a belief that the dead are reborn as children and fly around as butterflies. You know, I used to live in Germany, and I, I know that belief. The Mayan people thought butterflies were the souls of the dead warriors in disguise returning to the earth. People are flying around us. You know, some people said that, you know, these balls of orbs of light are people that we have, they're just around us, okay? And you're angelic beings. You know, people always that are clairvoyant kind of freak out when they're around me because they see this, um, my guardian angel around me. They go, wow, you know. More than one person has done that. So you can look up what a white butterfly means. I know there's different meanings because I don't want to focus on those, but I want to talk about the blue butterfly. And I just happen to have the blue butterfly on my Facebook picture, you know, profile picture. A blue butterfly spiritual meaning and symbolism. And there was a movie, and I can't, I'm trying to remember what it was called, but it was a wife who had passed on, but she was coming back as a blue butterfly to to let him know um, that she had had a child and this child was still alive. A blue butterfly, spiritual meaning and symbolism. A blue butterfly hovering in your presence is asking you to look at healing, whether to heal yourself or others. You know, on a greater level, I've done a lot of healing with myself. So I'm do, on an even greater level, you know, in a um, galactic conscious way, I'm doing a lot of healing in the universe or in the whole cosmos, okay? Having a blue butterfly land you is a sign of butterflies recognizing you of, as spirit of light, so this butterfly, it came right up to my face when I had my eyes closed and, and kind of was right on my face. So recognize you as a spirit of light, and I know that I'm a light being. Blue butterfly meaning when occupying your garden on a regular basis augurs the elemental nymphs and fairies that also reside in your garden to dream or have many blue butterflies flying around you foresees positive, exciting change coming to you. So... A lot of cool stuff. I'm just going to go to um, the chat room to see if anybody's written anything. Um, there are a few people that have been listening. If you have any questions, you can call in you know, to the, the line, 646-200-4169, and press 1 to get into queue. Um, so you know, basically what I've been talking about is how the butterfly symbolizes transformation, resurrection, and different things like that. But also it has to do with, um, you know, moving on. And when we hold things within us on a cellular level or we hold memories within us that we put in there with a lot of emotion, we have to be, uh, you know, loving and kind to ourselves. You know, allow it to be released gently, okay? You know, they're saying the butterfly has something to do with um, manifesting. Uh, when when you're manifesting, there's things that... Um, you know, there's a, I've talked different times about different things and how to manifest. When you're in fifth dimensional consciousness, 
you just feel from the heart and you put out, you know, what you're feeling with love and you're vibrating at a higher frequency. So what you want basically comes back to you automatically. And like I was talking about clearing those negative emotions because when we have negative emotions, we may draw things to us and around us that may not be positive, okay? So it's, we have, it's, it's, it's not about taking our mind off what we're dwelling on. It's about dwelling on other things or focusing on other things. You know, meditation helps us focus and helps us look and be more positive connection. And opening up the eighth chakra helps us have that connection to God and be more positive. But the butterfly symbolizes this great joy and positivity. So it's all about clearing that negative stuff right now. Now, when we, um, when we know that we can create whatever we want, then fear goes away. You know, it's, 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 when we live in love and we know that we're provided for, we don't have fear. So fear is caused by a false perception that somebody else can bring negative uh, events into our lives. You know, I was seeing a lot of this around me, and I was thinking, gee, you know, I don't, this is no, this isn't cool. I, you know, I'm thinking, okay, there has to be some reason why this is happening because I have to share it with other people. And that was the reasoning, right? So if we think that somebody is, people are causing negativity in our lives, this isn't true, okay? We, we bring this own negativity into our lives. When fear disappears, then all the psychological theories, you know, all these things they say, oh, well, you know, uh, when you have such and such happen and, you know, it, it, it's trigger, it triggers a memory and you go into this fugue state. I'm just being technical about it and all this stuff. Um, all that doesn't isn't taken into an effect because, you know, um, psychological illnesses are 3D illnesses, okay? And, and they have, they're, they're based on fear. And, and even physical illnesses at a cellular level, when you hold emotion and you hold fear within you, this is what causes them, okay? So basically when we're ready and we're living in that degree of love and we know that we're provided for, then we don't, we don't have that stuff within us anymore. We can just let it all go. Okay? So all those psychological illnesses won't exist, basically. When we realize that no one can create what we have in our lives, and we put this into practice every day, that we, and, and source, are, we're manifesting that way. It won't look threatening. And, you know, so we won't look at people as threatening, too, that are around us that we create, okay? So when I see somebody um, go off the deep end and start doing all this stuff, if I start going all off the deep end, I will just aggravate it even worse, okay? But there's reasons why we're, we're seeing these things to begin with. Um most of the time in my life, it's very peaceful and loving, and there's loving people around me. And it's because 
I don't live in fear and I don't think about those things. I, I do think about them sometimes when I talk to people about certain things because we still live in a consciousness and we should be aware of certain things. Anyway, so, you know, a lot of people think you have to believe you have to have a religion to be able to um, manifest, okay? What about people in the jungle that never have seen other people and don't have a religion? They just love the earth. They're able to have things come to them, okay? So it's 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 very powerful. You feel very empowered. Anyway, so what I'm I do these prayers of light every day to open humanity up and to heal the earth. You know, so we don't have areas that are deserts and areas that won't grow crops or different things. And I pray that people will speak up enough to be able to say, hey, I, we don't want those GMOs, we want that one. We want the good stuff. And we don't want all those pesticides and chemicals and all the other things. So we have to think, focus on what we want. Okay, we see the earth as, as whole and as healed. And we, you know, we're in 3D to some degree, but when we're meditating or we're in that higher frequency, it's important that we see the world as being what it really truly is, okay? Healed. Okay. So think about what people have done and and believing they, they, they can do it, okay? A lot of different things. Uh, people say to me, How, "Wow, you did that," and it's because I believe I I, I don't. Be, it's because I believe that nothing. I, I how do I put this? I'm I'm trying to say it in a way that everybody will understand it. Um, I just go out and live life. Okay, I don't think. Oh well, should I do this or should I do that or I get an idea into my head, and I manifest it, but I know in this physical realm you have to go out to do it. So I just do it, okay? Anyway, so sometimes people think that wanting can hurt us, okay? If you get it into your head that money is bad or whatever, money is just a different form of energy. Um, I just think of what I need, and I I have what I need. I don't want to stockpile and worry about tomorrow. Maybe, you know, some people do that, but that's not the way I live. The thing we need to realize, it's it's not going to hurt us, okay? If we think it's going to hurt us, then we can create that within ourselves. And it's about focusing on flow. So... I'm I'm um I'm trying to think of that the three laws, okay? The law of attraction is is one of the laws. But these are just things that we have set out and created around us. Um so what you draw things to you like draws to like, okay? And so emotion speeds up this attraction. And 
it doesn't matter whether we think of something or wanting it. We're thinking about it. If, if we, you know, like it's not what I'm trying to say is if it's, it doesn't have to be purposeful. We can just, it just pops into our head, say. That happens to me all the time. And then I'm like, wow, I really would like that. And then it shows up. It's when we, if I'm thinking, I think, oh, I've got to manifest money and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. It doesn't work. Anyway, for me. So it's it's about emotion, joy, love, and then thinking about something and feeling the emotion of having it with you. You know, um, just being in that house, or around that house, that uh, in that little town, brought back all these memories, beautiful memories and things. And I'm sure it's going to attract a lot of um, more wonderful things into my life too. You know, some people say, you know, you get out on the wrong side of the bed. You must have gotten up on the wrong side of the bed. Well, my bed was against the wall, so I always had to get out <laughs> the one side of the bed when I was a kid. But my mom would say that sometimes. Maybe not a thing to say to your child uh, first thing in the morning. Um, so basically what I'm saying, if you hear negative things repeatedly, you're going to focus more on those negative things, okay? So try to be around positive people, but also look at your thoughts and are you focusing on negative things? And it's, you know, if you're always focused on, say, something about, oh, I, like, for example, looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I got wrinkles, you know, you're going to create, you're going to create more wrinkles. If you live in love and you're, you know, people always look at me and they go, um, you don't have any wrinkles. And I'm like, I don't even think about it. You know what I mean? So we were talking about creating things within, you know, I, I was talking about a little bit last week and creating our own environment around us. Like what we are within is what we reflect around us. So do we purposely create what's going on around us? You know, does it really matter? Why do we choose certain thoughts or why do we see certain things at certain times? You know, sometimes one week I can think of something one way and the next week I can think of something another way. Um, I just because I live totally in the moment, okay? But it's all done in joy. Um, you know, there's an example of somebody... I know these people, they're always trying to get rich. And if they felt rich within themselves, it would come to them a lot easier. And, you know, they get really jealous when something good happens for, for other people and stuff like that, you know. So what we draw to ourselves mirrors what we have within our mind, okay? So... I guess what I'm basically saying is um, feel love and then live in the moment and feel the emotion of joy and think about things that you want. And, you know, don't focus on it. Think about it. Send it out and, and, and see how fast it comes back to you. So, you know, we've created this situation and what's around us. 
You know, a lot of people um, have said to me, and people that are light workers too, I can't, everything's going wrong and I can't seem to get things around me, What you know, like I've done everything I'm supposed to do. And it's really, they're really focusing on not being able to do something. So how are you going to expect to have something happen that you really are questioning, okay? So part of it is, you know, um, just, allowing things to flow towards you. You know, you have knowing and you have that connection to God um, and the flow comes back to you, which is allowing that flow to come back to you. So it has to do with that connection to the one and the connection to the all. Okay? Uh, I'll give you an example of a story which um, is, is kind of funny. Um, I My wa- washing machine was doing some weird things and later on, they found five di- or four dimes in it. It was a message from somebody trying to get my attention, but from another realm. But what was important was I was thinking in my mind, um, you know, this guy who came to look at it said he was going to charge me, and I was thinking to myself, I paid all this insurance, and I don't want to, you know, like this isn't, what I wanted and then what was funny was the guy said to me oh you don't have to pay so I just put out that I'm not you know basically that I was thinking that I had this and I wasn't going to pay and I actually ended up not having to pay but then later I was thinking about it I said I bet you you know like I got this funny feeling in my head I'm, I'm just using an example because I know that sometimes you know, we, we do funny things, but I said, oh, I bet you this lady's going to call me and tell me that I need to pay. Because before he had, uh, how do I say, had said that, you know, they had gotten a quote and that I might have to pay. So anyway, I, she gets, sends me this bill and then calls me and said, you know, and then I said to her, but the person that was there told me I didn't have to pay because, you know, and I paid for this insurance. So I just said to myself, okay, I'm going to put it out to the universe that um, this is what I want, you know, like, and I, I called the this one number and I left a message and I just said, you know, explained the whole situation and what happened. And the person called me back and says, no, you, you, you shouldn't have had to pay. So basically what I'm saying, when you live in fifth dimensional consciousness, you've got to be very careful about what you, you know, what you, what you think. Think about going to a candy store and then enjoying a candy. Anyway, and then somebody comes up to you and says, um, you shouldn't eat candies because they're not good for you. Well, um, if you think enough that something that you've eaten is bad for you it will become bad for you okay so it's important that you just live live in balance and um not worry about things but try to take care of yourself eat well and that sort of thing but if you're going to have a candy once in a while it's it's not a bad thing okay especially if somebody offers it to you as you know never what what I always say is never turn something down. It's it's a gift, okay? 
Um, people talk to me about creating flow and prosperity around you. We can push things away from ourselves. And it it has to do with this negative emotion. That's why I'm saying clear your emotion. Because you're holding negative emotion at a cellular level. And a lot of it, it's bouncing things off you. If you it can't get through, okay? It has to do with um, what we're holding within us. It has to do with our inner being and what is reflected around us. So if we're thinking and we're creating something we don't want... Um, We'll get more of what we don't want, okay? So if we want, if we were thinking about bills all the time, like, uh, I, you know, I was looking at that bill and um, when this person sent it to me, and I was like, oh, God. Um, and, for example, I opened up this um, thing saying that I had to pay higher rates for insurance. And, you know, we automatically could start thinking, hey, I have less money, okay? Instead, think about balancing the flow, okay? Have, you know, have a little bit more to balance things out instead of thinking that you have a loss. So it has to do with uh, resistance and it has to do with vibration, pushes things away, attracting things that want you want to come to you. Um, an idea to think about all, you know, the wonderful things. You know, that story that, I, was it Snow White was singing, someday my prince will come, you know, or one of those shows. And then there, a prince did show up. So think about flow and what and, and affirmations and different things and allow things to flow your way so but also because we're in a 3d world sometimes we have to work um, and do jobs and things to help us manifest what we want you know we have to do a little bit of work with that and um I've seen things happen where, you know, people have been at the last leg of something and, you know, wondering where the money was going to come from and they just all put it up to source and the money showed up instead of nowhere. I've even had it happen in my life. So I know that it has to do with um, putting out that energy and having, allowing that energy to come to you. And it's very powerful. But, um, you know, we also, in this physical realm, have to go out and work, okay? Some people call it going out and banging the buck. And um, it's about thinking um, and knowing that things are going to go your way, okay? And, you know, I talk about the butterfly. It's about change to our way of thinking, too. You know, cognitive therapy, and I've done some of that with people, it's about taking a thought pattern and changing it to a more positive thought pattern. It's about not living in that anxiety and that fear. When you, when you realize, you know, if you're worried about something, you think about it all the time, does it ever really happen? More than than not, it doesn't, Okay. 
So you're wasting a lot of time being anxious for no reason. Um, it's about learning the process and seeing things that you can, you know, the birds always have food. Uh, they don't think, oh, where, where's my next seed or my next worm going to come from? They just flow with it. They fly to another place. You know, if it gets winter here, they they're, it's all created. People say, you know, I don't want to be, you know, too wanting. It was really funny. I went to this store and I was thinking about this, this purple purse, right? And I looked at it and I go, I'm going to get this purple purse, but not now because I want it within my flow, cash flow, right? And the funny thing is I got a coupon in the mail right after that. And then I got, like, I went back to get the purse with the coupon, okay? And the thing is they go, oh, we're, we're just going to take that and put it to the discount place and we'll give it to you at the discount price. So don't be afraid to think about what you really want and try to direct it your way. You'd be surprised. Um, you know, going to a beautiful place and you think you can't afford it. You know, things may happen or will happen. You have to think about the word possible, possibilities. Like I, when I think of things, I, I don't think about, you know, anything not being possible, Okay. Some people think, oh, you know, if I go to that place, it's going to cost me, you know, $5,000 or $100,000 or whatever, and what a waste of money, okay? Things don't come our way unless they flow towards us. You know, um, uh, know, a lot of wealthy people, uh, apparently, they, you know, they don't look at things and say, well, that's too expensive. They watch their money, but... If they really want something, they don't think about the price of it. Um, so what can you do to attract this abundance to you? Um, the first thing is to, to see possibilities, okay? And it's about leading a path outwards. And emotionally creating a smooth journey and you know the butterfly goes through a smooth journey it just flows all over the place so you can i can see the butterfly as being something really important to when we manifest <clears throat> so it's about ownership okay maybe ownership's not the best word do you need to know why you want something it it okay so you might have a list that I want this. Instead, I know that I will create this. Okay? I made this uh, list, and they call it manifesting list. And some people do like a five-year plan or whatever. I saw myself um, with a certain amount of money to build a certain school. And, you know, I could see this happening. It's about attracting things to us and but it's also about attracting more of what we already have in our life you know if we're having happiness we just see it as flowing to us all the time so it's about being happy 
You know, be that butterfly. Be that blue butterfly. Don't push it away. You know, some people are so set into being negative and negative relationships, they keep reattracting it. It's time to know that you're worth it. So, you know, some people have a box. And they put things in their this box. It can be a wooden box. It can be a jewelry box. Um, but put things in it that you would like to do. And then take one out. And uh, you know, it's not about um, thinking about failure. It's about thinking of yourself as connection. Connecting to the creator being. And being part of that energy. And and transmuting energy to fulfill desires and to get things that you want in your life and to surround around you. <clears throat> you know that solar eclipse that happened in March? It was um, a solar, an amazing solar eclipse. And when I talk about solar eclipses, you know, I, I sound like I'm diverging um, my path here, and in a way I am. But um, this was. Uh, the solar eclipse and manifestation. This is the reason why I'm talking about it. So I wasn't, I didn't do a show around this time, but I talked about this before in a few shows and a little bit about stuff. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about it. Um, you know, when I was talking about um, Aquarius and us going into, we're kind of in a between time. And that's why, you know, maybe when we're dreaming, we have this between time. But when we finally get into Aquarius, you know, the age of Aquarius, we'll have this electricity and we'll just be able to do everything and be in that flow all the time, you know. So this solar eclipse, it was in 18 degrees and 56 minutes of Pisces. And it had no major fixed stars or asteroids. So it says, um, and I've been reading, the astrological interpretation there relies on planetary aspects. But in this area of the sky, it does retain some small fixed stars in the water stream at the end of of Aquarius constellation. So we were talking about Aquarius and energy and, you know, electricity and, and change and that sort of thing. And water being blue and the blue butterfly and the butterfly being um, a water sign and that sort of stuff. You know, the solar eclipse in constellation Aquarius suggests events connected to aviation flooding of rivers and its impact on agriculture. There was a lot of flooding at that time. Revolution and war will continue, but with greater focus on new directions and humanitarian organizations. This is from astrologyking.com, Solar Eclipse, March 2016. And um, just says here that uh, revolution and war will continue with greater focus on new directions and humanitarian organizations. So this Saturn return in Sagittarius for the collective, you know, means that we're going to reach out to each other. And, you know, the age of Aquarius, that's part of that, too. Another small star in this area of the sky between the constellations Aquarius and Pisces is Pegasus on the hoof of the flying horse. So um, I wanted to talk a bit about Pegasus, but um, basically, you know, I was talking about that between time and dream time. You know, a lot of people, 
or some people have said we're in the age of Pegasus. It's like the age between Pisces and Aquarius. And so this is a very, or was a very profound, and eclipses open our eyes to new things and new beginnings and, and you know, a total different transformation and resurrection. You know, I was seeing this energy, you know, the flying energy, the butterfly energy, the Pegasus energy, you know, that energy. Um, so we're in that between time. So in, in an area of climate change and rising oceans, which is going on right now, carrying us from the age of Pisces to the water age of Aquarius. So it's, it's pretty interesting. This person says, I've written about the astrological, astrological ages and suggests we're in the age of Pegasus. As you know, on a few shows ago, I kept talking about Pegasus, and I was talking about the age of Aquarius. And when I see this now, it makes sense to me, okay? What I was feeling and what I was seeing. So this person is seeing and feeling it too. And I just happened upon this article today and wasn't even thinking about it, but an area of the climate change and rising oceans carries us again, like I was saying, from the Pisces water age of Aquarius. So this solar eclipse conjunct Chiron gives the strongest invitation of which goals are new focus for the next six months. So what we feel within is really reflected around us. When we open, I, I kept getting that humanity is really opening their eyes right now. Even had a picture, just my eyes on my Facebook wall about a week ago after I did the last show. So it gives the strongest indication of your new goals and new focus for the next six months. So what you're creating. To the Greeks, Chiron was a wise centaur and um, who brought astrology to humanity. So that's amazing. A lot of people don't believe in astrology, but I just think whatever we see around us up in the sky in animal totems are reflections of what we have within us. So um, to Christians, it's Jesus Christ who counted the number of stars and called names. Both were healers of wounded souls who needed natural methods like hands-on healing herbs and power of the mind. You know, I was talking about a lot of things about healing, and the butterfly represents that again. And all this, this Chiron, this Pegasus, the water, the Aquarius, the electricity, it's all, it's all interrelated. So think of all the healing techniques you can start with, the word Cairo, the Greek word for hands. Uh, you know, I've been hearing a lot about hands and, you know, being the fingertips of the divine energy. So even palm reading is termed Chiromancy. Chiron was not a part of the establishment, and he mingled with other outcasts. He was seen as a maverick who used unorthodox methods to heal others and promote spiritual enlightenment. The major theme of the solar eclipse 2016 there relates to deep wound and healing within your soul. So, you know, the karmic stuff, again, that's what we're doing. So who's to say whether, you know, all that healing and all that blockage within us isn't just a reflection of the physical stuff like fibromyalgia to people. Once you heal it, then it goes. You know, I've experienced it. So some existing physical, emotional pain, but also indicate a new wound received following this eclipse, okay? So sometimes when you release things and you look at things 
it can be traumatic for you. That's why I was talking about look at it in a way that you won't put the gist of the full emotional, you know, inflate the emotion, okay? So maybe that's why I was seeing people looking at that pain and just reacting to it, you know? That's what I was seeing lately, a couple people doing that. I was like, holy smokes. This has something and it's giving me a message, okay? Other aspects in the solar eclipse 2016 of March, astrology chart and lunar eclipses in two weeks' time, will give more detail about the nature of wounding and your healing process. Both Chiron and Constellation Aquarius have a new age feel about them. The wounding healing may manifest physically or emotionally will involve a spiritual component, especially during healing. Your new star start or new goals so this is about uh, uh, and i talked last week about restarting okay and i was going through that a whole new me second saturn return you know so natural alternative methods also new breakthroughs in science you know and that's happening with the age of aquarius overlapping you know it's like waves flowing on both sides and flowing together and creating something else in the middle okay Air travel and internet have a part to play in both wounding through the spread of disease and healing through information sharing. Your wounding and healing journey should be responsive to dramatic changes in global weather which are affecting our bodies and souls, which we can't even imagine. You know, it seems like there's a lot of clearing going on, and when humanity goes through that clearing, I create some templates to go through that healing. So I experience it, and I try to make it less traumatic for humanity. So know that, you know, it's going to be less traumatic for you. The solar eclipse opposite Jupiter means there are forces acting against your growth, prosperity, and happiness. The influence of Chiron suggests health issues impending your growth and happiness. An old wound has been pushed aside and would manifest as unhappiness. So we've got to look at those wounds within us and focus on the joy around us and the butterfly, the blue butterfly. Look at that blue butterfly when you're meditating. And, you know, go beyond that. We've got to keep those things around us to manifest in a fifth-dimensional way. You know, in third dimension, everything's to excess and duality, right? Sometimes we do things, and you hear people being bipolar. I've seen people go from being bipolar to being normal when they shift consciousness because they've released that energy. So moderation, self-control, and self-discipline will help you avoid the over-optimistic nature of Jupiter and try not to take too much and push yourself. And the solar eclipse square Saturn frustrates and delays the achievement of your solar eclipse goals through setbacks, separations, or loss. Fear and pessimism can lead to a defeatist attitude. So you know, look at that, um, the Saturn. They indicate your wound stems from a guilt and resulting self-abuse. And any uh, Jupiter unethical or moral behavior will now be punished. So it's not about focusing on any of this stuff, okay? These are important. And there's a Jupiter square Saturn, and there's a solar eclipse sextile Pluto energy. You can read about, you know, a little bit more about that. But in, in all, this eclipse is going to go and extend longer. You know, eclipses always go f- before and after. And it's about healing and purging. And it's about the mind, body, and the soul. And it's about physical disease or injury healing, psychological or spiritual. So it's exiting the wounds from this life or the previous ones and karmic stuff. 
And it may happen instantly. You know, some people during the eclipse went through it. With wounding comes healing. So Jupiter shows you how to take it easy. Don't overdo things. Don't take too much. Give yourself the time to heal. And, you know, this is the time to do that. Be patient. Take responsibility. Forgive others. It's important that we don't hold a lot of that toxic energy and being angry a lot of people. So if you know that people around you aren't influencing and causing you problems, that you're creating this stuff, this will give you the blue butterfly energy to know that you have that transmutation energy within you to change things, okay? Um, So I've talked about a lot of things. Um, I did want to talk about that Pegasus energy. Let's see. Uh, Well, I'll talk about Pegasus. I've got a bit of time left. So there's this article. It's uh, www.masters.table.org, Pagan Pegasus, HTM. And it's called A Magnificent Mount of Muses, a study by Timothy Youngwood. And this is copyrighted. So... um, you know, the winged horse of Greek mythology. Last week I talked about the white horse. And I was seeing the white horse. Sometimes I see the winged horse. And um, they 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 talk a little bit here about all the different religions. And um, the winged horse, the son of Poseidon, and Medusa sprang from the blood of Medusa when it, when the head was chopped off and uh, by Perseus. And Pegasus appears again and again through mythology. And he was captured by Bellatron at the water of his fountain and ridden by him when he killed the dreaded three-headed Chimera. And Pegasus became the thundering horse of Zeus, which he appears among the stars. Pegasus was later brought to Mount Halcyon by Bellatron. With a kick of his hoof, he caused a spring of Hepcrere to flow. And Hepocrine is said to be the source of inspiration for poets. So instant starting of things. And that joy and energy and creative energy is the blue butterfly energy too, okay? Um, and they just go on to talk a little bit more about the story. But the symbolism are the potent symbol for most every religion and mythology. Many myths express the horse innate ability to be clairvoyant and the ability to perceive the magic within humans, Okay. So if you're seeing this white horse, you're seeing the magical things around you. So view the horse as a symbol of strength and virility and lust. According to a popular belief, it's lost its sexual powers when its mane is cut and is the only animal which shows sorrow because it weeps for its dead master. It is also a symbol for loyalty and devotion, such as faith with its master, and it represents the warrior spirit, strength, and sexual energy. So wings are the symbol that denotes flight. You know, I was talking about the butterfly. And it often represents prayer and contemplation, especially the scent of a feathered like bird-like wings, the spiritual or the religious symbol. And it symbolizes the soul's ability to transcend the weight of heavy burdens and rise above the concerns into the air. So, you know, the Aquarian stuff, the butterfly stuff, the healing stuff, So it's all this, again, you know, to heaven, to the presence of God, this connection to God, you know. You know, when I talk about the swan, you know, the long neck connects us to that, you know, the divine energy. And this is one of those symbols, too. 
anyway, um, so you do a little bit more reading about that. Um, it talks about inverting evil into good. So when you use the Pegasus symbol, it can help you change your negative thoughts into positive thoughts and help you with your manifestation, just like the butterfly can. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted... Uh, let me just see where that thing went. Um, um, oh, there it is. I'm going to try to find this. Um there was something else I wanted to talk about, but I will find it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I have here. Uh, maybe it's down here. Okay. I wanted to talk about this. Uh, I was something else I want to talk about, but the age of Pegasus. We're in a crossover age. You know, we're kind of neither in, but in both and in between. We're in three places at one time. So the age of Pegasus. In constellation, Pegasus is at the Aries point, so it is now the age of Pegasus. A common question in astrology is, what does the age of Aquarius, or when does the age of Aquarius start? This is Astrology King, and it's constellation Pegasus, so Google that. The procession of the astrological ages occurs as a result of constellations and effects moving forward through the degrees of the zodiac at about one degree every 72 years, or it says 50.2675 seconds per year. So um, they just they, they actually have these things crossing over each other, all three of these ages here. And whenever a constellation is at zero degrees, Aries is called the constellation of the age so so it's not at zero degrees working out the exact beginning and ending of an astrological age is a gray area because the constellations are drawn differently in different sky maps below some dates worked out using the procession of the first and last stars of a few constellations so 104 bc to 2817 a.d is the age of pisces 1345 A.D. to 4,300 A.D. is the age of Pegasus. And 2694 A.D. to 50, I mean, 5456 A.D. is the age of Aquarius. So all these, that age of Pegasus overlaps these two other ages. So it's like a piggyback or a bridge to two different type of realities, Okay. Based on the dates above, the age of Aquarius starts around the, the end of the 27th century. People always talk about the age of Pisces and the beginning of the age of Aquarius. Why limit ourselves to 12 constellations? So there's little dips along the way, basically, in between, okay? Anyway, it, it, it talks about a different things about this Pegasus. It's like flying from the fish to the, you know, the air into the water. So a lot of cool stuff. Anyway, you want to read a little bit more about that, feel free to do it. Uh, I just want to see if there's anything else I, I didn't forget. I talked about a lot of things today. Oh, yeah. There was another thing I wanted to talk about. 
Lady Venus enters Taurus April 29th. April 29th is, in my life, a magical day. My first husband, who passed away, his birthday was on that day. Um, And my grandfather on my father's side of the family, his birthday was that day. But it's the day when a lot of energy changed. It talks here. This is about astrology notes from Nancy, WordPress.com, 2006, 4th to 28th, Lady Venus enters Taurus. And Lady Venus enters mixed Taurus on April 29th. You know, having been a bit overwhelmed and active and passionate Aries, Lady Venus welcomes her stay in Taurus. Like old friends meeting for a long separation, they embrace each other with warmth, deep, and understanding. Lady Venus shines in Taurus not as a fabulous fashionista, but rather an elegant model in a little black dress with pearls. The soccer mom who runs the PTA, the sophisticated mature woman on Town and Country magazine, in her tweeds and townhouse. So this is uh, the grandmother with the knowing smile and twinkle in her eye. You know, the the woman that has it all. So it's uh, it's all about that energy is all about confidence. And that's why I'm mentioning this and seeing this energy is is that's what humanity is doing right now. They, they've got to see this and have this confidence with themselves. They just say that don't get in the way of a Venus and Taurus woman. She'll mow you down. Um, this passage of Venus and Taurus will help to offset the squeamish or skirmishes of Mercury's retrograde period since they ride together. And Taurus is all month long, okay? until Mercury goes direct in Taurus on the 22nd. So, and Venus moves into Gemini on the 24th. So, we're talking about um, some energy. Venus meets up with Mercury at 16 degrees of Taurus on the 13th. And at 2.11 p.m., perhaps, and then during a cozy conversation with someone special or helping to clear the air about some controversy, using the positive timing of the planets can help us. So on May 5th, Venus has a minor dust-up with Mars, which may impact the rush hour. So that's tomorrow. So keeping the even temper will serve everyone best. So it's a time that you may notice things going around. It's about keeping your cool, okay? Keeping your blue butterfly cool. Anyway, um, the 9th brings a nice meeting of Venus and Neptune at breakfast time. It'll bring about a wonderful morning meeting. So we just want to really basically, um, you know, this is a manifesting energy, okay, this uh, Venus and Taurus. So at this time in this energy, see what you can manifest around you by what I've, you know, the things that I've talked about with you, okay? Uh, There was something else I wanted to talk about. Huh. It's about integration rather than separation. I wanted to talk about that. Pulling things together rather than subtracting things from the whole. So we're joining each other. You know, this age of Sagittarius brings that type of energy and Saturn brings maturity. And that's what my energy is teaching energy. So connect with that source. Feel that light around you. Um, live your truth. No, speak your truth. That um, Be that inspiration. Um, 
you know, I was talking about the mind focuses inspiration to manifest in this physical world. Um, this Venus Taurus butterfly energy, you know, and the squirrel energy allows it to come forth, okay? That's what that's what I was seeing today. Usually it's storage energy, but I was seeing it as energy that was sharing. The, 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 the squirrel didn't run away from me. The, the squirrel was sharing with me. Um, think of energy as light, okay? So money, think of money as light. Think of it as flowing to you as light. See that blue butterfly coming to you and opening you up to positive and joy and love. It, it tickles away all the sense of fear, okay? The light of love. Light is the attribute of spirit. And love is the attribute of spirit. So they're, they're basically flowing together. We're talking about the mind. When when you go into higher consciousness, the mind's connected to the heart. The mind's connected, or you are aware of the connection to God. So when we are more aware, we're able to focus that energy and combine that energy. I was talking at the beginning about flowing it all together, you know, seeing ourselves as not separate, seeing ourselves as together. So way. I'm going to go off the air, but I'm going to talk a little bit longer, so uh, just kind of round this up. So if you're listening on the phone, you'll be able to hear it. If not, you can go back in the archives and listen to it. So each part of the mind carries all of the light. You know, we, we, we are light beings. We take in light. And, you know, it hits all the neurons in the brain and the messages get carried through the brain especially if we don't have a lot of cellular stuff and not holding a lot of stuff within us. We're magical beings too, okay? So think of the brain as light. You know, I was saying that I saw that light butterfly. And we're going through this age of a pegasus where everything is light. You know, we're going into the Aquarian age, which is electricity. So see yourself and your brain as light. And see that love and that frequency and that higher vibration. So it's not about reason when you manifest a fifth dimension. It's about sending forth love and emotion and getting back from source. So the mind in 3D imagines itself separate from source. So it becomes the mind. It doesn't become part of God or source or whatever you want to call it. So the mind becomes the mind. It becomes the ego. It becomes dispirited. It becomes separated. It becomes cut off from source. And um, the mind in 3D sees itself without light. Sees its, you know, and, and sometimes when you shut your eyes, in your brain, do you see dark or do you see light? Once you shift consciousness, when you shut your eyes, you'll be able to see everything. It's about taking yourself and not seeing yourself in that dark spot anymore. We've done a lot of that clearing. It's about seeing the double rainbow. You know, when I went to Cuba in September, when I came back, I saw the double rainbow, and I went to the end of the rainbow, and I got the pot of gold within myself. You know what I mean? 
So it's about uh, seeing yourself as light, seeing yourself as connected, seeing yourself never being separated or in the dark or dispirited or uninspired, okay? So when we process and look at things and we see them in joy, that's what I was trying to tell somebody the other day, you know, like they were making kefir and other things. I said, when you make something, don't get frustrated and agitated when you drink or when you're making this because when you drink it, it'll feel, feel like shit. And I'm being blunt about that, um, but I drank some of their uh, kefir, and I actually spat it out. I thought, "Oh my God, I just this don't don't feel good energy." And this is before I saw what this person was doing. I said, "You know, when we make anything or we create everything, we should do it in love because, you know, it does it, it just means that people have lost that sense of understanding." Okay. But it's important that when we do anything, we create anything, even cooking and stuff, we put love into it, okay? People always eat my food and they say, oh, it tastes so good. And I say, well, it's got lots of love in it, you know? You know, for the mind to really convince itself it's alone, it must be a physical witness to separation. So this enters the body and it becomes our separation. So basically what I'm saying is, when our mind sees itself as separate and the mind becomes alone, it becomes fearful, okay? It's important that we don't see ourselves, even our brain as separate, that we're all this connected to this light. So the body is a tool here. And, you know, we, we, we see ourselves as having a mind, but this mind is really part of a greater whole. Our bodies are part of a greater whole. The energy is part of a greater whole. You know, that's why when we think of ourselves as a greater whole of the light, we we start to become whole. And when we become whole, we don't get sick, okay? We become very healthy. Um... So it's important that we, you know, take care of ourselves. You know, our, our the mind does not think. It follows our orders, our intentions that we give. Um, but when we live in fifth dimensional consciousness, it doesn't happen. It simply shines, and we get what we need in the moment, and it's done with love. Um, there was an article I wanted to read, and it has to do... Um, you know, a lot of people have... Um, Okay, how to build your muscle mass in one year or less. Okay, it's, it talks about, you know, as some people get older, they start thinking that they're going to deteriorate, so they do less and less. But it's really important we keep our mind active, we keep our bodies active, and we take take in enough protein. And if you're vegetarian, it means, you know, getting enough protein also. So it has to do when we're living in in light energy we don't have to take in as much food okay but we still need to get that that protein in our food if we're still taking in food so a lot of people they they quit eating good protein but proteins have those amino acids that we need to do different processes within the body and within the body there's 20 amino acids 
and you know we take in eight amino acids that are vital and um they can't be synthesized and they're called essential amino acids our body can synthesize the other um 12 okay so it's important that we get we take in these eight essential amino acids in our diet somewhere so uh the way the food's processed now and stuff like that, and people are eating a lot of processed foods, they're not getting these eight essential amino acids. So they, they they liken it to like a bicycle factory. So if you have one seat, one handlebar, two pedals, one chain, two wheels, and three tires, and, and you know, or whatever, um, it says here that um, you get six handlebars delivered, four pedals, six chains, 14 wheels, three tires. Um, How many bikes can you make with these supplies? You can only make one, but you're wasting all the other stuff. And your kidneys have to work overtime. You know, a lot of people, I was reading it somewhere else, this guy was eating sugar like 50 times a day, so, um, and not getting enough protein within the diet. So, a lot of this stuff is wasted, but, you know, your body's working overtime. And it's important that we take in what we need, but not overwork our bodies, you know. And as long as you get the right balance of aminos in your diet, your body will be able to synthesize the proteins. But there's also a lot of things that can happen, like if you are not have enough acid in your stomach to be able to break down the amino acids. So that's important, too. The amino acids contain nitrogen. When the body converts aminos to sugar, the nitrogen is lost and shows up in the urine. When the body converts aminos into proteins, um, the nitrogen is retained and does not end up in the urine. So say they ate the exact perfect balance of aminos to form proteins. In this case, there would be no nitrogen showing up in your urine. But if you ate a very poor balance of aminos, the opposite would happen. So it's like having, you know, your in your backyard, all those handlebars and all the spokes and different things, you know, it gathers up. So maybe fibromyalgia in in a way, um, well, I know it's um, the amino acids aren't processed in the body properly and it ends up affecting, you know, the immune system, the inflammatory system and a lot of different things. And I was going to talk a little bit more about fibromyalgia, but I, I will another day. Because um, you know, scientists have answered this question by giving various proteins and measuring how much nutri- nitrogen shows up in the ear, and they refer to this concept as a net nitrogen utilization, or NNU. If a dietary protein had an NAU of 100%, that would mean the aminos and the protein were so perfectly balanced that no nitrogen appeared in the urine. Your body used 100% of the aminos to build protein. That would be great. On the other hand, if the protein source had an NNU of 10, that would mean your body only used 10% of the amino acids to make 90%. I mean, to make protein. 90% of them were turned into sugar. That would not be good. So that's why a lot of people are losing muscle mass as they get older because, you know, even though they think they're taking in all that protein, you know, a lot of those protein mixes, too, aren't in the proper way. They're saying that the NNU of 49% is in mother's milk and the next best one is 48% and whole egg. You have to have the whole egg. A lot of people eat egg whites, but they're really not getting the proper balance because of it. 
That's because the yolk contains 30% of the essential amino acids and malathion. Other, once you take out the yolk, you change the balance and dramatically limit the tremendous protein-building value of eggs. So what about meats, poultry, and fish? And, you know, even the veg- vegan stuff. And fish are NNU of 32. And after that, it starts to get getting bad. Like protein powders have only 17%. And that includes protein made from soy, dairy, and eggs. That means 83% of the protein and protein powder is wasted. And how about spirella? Depending on the brand, it has an NNU of from 0 to 6. It's no, not a good protein source at all. So go back to the original problem. What's the average person loses 25 to 30% of the muscles mass as he gets older? I can think of four major factors, you know. Why is it that people lose this 25 to 30%? So what is obvious is what you've been looking at. Many people just don't eat enough protein. According to nutritional guidelines, a person with a basic sedentary lifestyle typical in the U.S. needs about uh, 0.36 gram of protein per pound of body weight just to maintain what you have. So if you weigh 150 pounds, you should be taking 54 grams or 2 ounces of protein per day. If you weigh 200 pounds, you would be eating 2.5 ounces. But are you getting enough? So if you're, it says here, too, that, um, you know, people that, as they get older, they just take in less. So this needs to be drawn to people's attention. You know, people should be working out and being physically fit and looking after themselves even more so when you get older, okay? <clears throat> and you should be spending about, 60 to 120 minutes every week in some vigorous exercise. So it will need uh, 0.6 grams of protein per pound, but there's a point I've been leading up to. Even if you're eating this much, you may be not getting enough to maintain your body mass because, you know, if you've lost this protein, you actually have to have a, a, a way of building it back up, okay? So eating 2.5 ounces of protein powder will only build up 35% as much muscle mass as eating the same amount in eggs. So get the same amount of muscle increased from the protein powder you would with eggs. You need to eat three times as much. That would be a lot of protein powder. So it's important. Eggs should be an important part of your diet if you can eat them, if you don't have allergies to them. Um, Similar, protein powder will only give you 50% as much muscle mass as eating the same amount of meat. So get the same amount of meat, muscle increase in the protein powder that you would with meat. You need to eat twice as much. If that's not enough, just eat an adequate amount of the right kind of protein, which also break the protein down to amino acids and digest it. In order to do that, we need stomach acids. So you need to have, um, you know, pepsin. That So the stomach acid enzyme, pepsinogen to pepsin, and pepsin breaks down the protein to various amino acids. So it's a whole system. But it says here, eating a perfect protein may not be enough. And we're talking about older people, okay? So, But there is um, a, a unique powder that combines a perfect balance of eight essential amino acids. And it's amino XP, and it's 98%. So um, you may want to consider doing something like that if you want to rebuild the protein back in your body. Okay, I just thought I'd mention that because a lot of people are you know, losing muscle mass and um, they're they're not being able to process the ATP and all the other things because they have blockages. Like I talked at the beginning 
of, you know, this what I was talking about. So there was something else I wanted to talk about. I know I wanted to talk about the the squirrel, but, you know, maybe I've talked enough about that. Um, being prepared, that's what it represents. And whether you're storing or you're digging holes or making a nest or, you know, sharing. Um there's a whole article in um, Animals Speak by Ted Enders, and it's on page uh, 316. I kept seeing 1617, so that's funny. It's on both pages, and it's on 318. Um, they talk about them being communicative and their tails adding to their expressiveness. Its unique medicine will actively be different for everyone if a squirrel scampered into your life, examine your own activity and preparedness. Are you too active, not active enough? So it's about your preparedness within something. Are you planning at all in the future, distant, near? Are you becoming too erratic, running to and fro? You know, like I was talking about the ping pong ball, um, you know, the energy not really going anywhere within you, within the cell even. Do you need to learn how to save and ration on any level, including money, time, energy? Are you afraid you'll never have enough? We were talking about, you know, manifesting and not living in fear. Are you getting too hung up on collecting and accumulating? Are you gathering and not giving? So the squirrel lets us know that and teaches us balance. (coughs) Excuse me. Within the circle of gathering and giving out. So it's all about balance. So if we're doing too much of one and the other, the squirrel will help us to remember this, okay? I also saw the canary a lot, and I talked about it on last week's show. So the canary is really interesting. I've, I've seen them around, and they came back last week, and they bring joy to my life. It has to do with <coughs> the canary ha- fresh air and Observe the atmospheres you expose yourself time. Expose yourself to. Be careful who you expose yourself to. You know, we want to reflect positive energy around ourselves from within. You know, we're we're changing that energy within. It changes around us, so that reflects that energy. We want to make new tones and take the sour notes away. Um. There was something else I wanted to read to you, and I'm, try- I'm trying to find it, about Alzheimer's, learning more about Alzheimer's. And I had this article, now I can't, I can't seem to find it. Oh, sorry for sniffing. I've got a... Um, also, too, I wanted to mention that um, there's a big fire. There was a big fire in Fort McMurray, and it, everybody had to evacuate the town. This is in Alberta, Canada, and my prayers go out to everybody there and my friends and um, my son's friend that lives there. Um, I phoned the mother and to see how things were going, and it was rough, okay? This is an, an article from Science Alert, www.sciencealert.com, New Alzheimer's Treatment Fully restores memory function. I've talked on the show about taking, um, you know, coconut oil to help with that, you know, to help get rid of the sticky stuff that stores itself in there. Another thing to do is to take, make sure you have enough K2 within your diet. But I guess um, 
in Australia, they've, in this study I'm going to talk about, um, of the mice that received the treatment, 75% got their memory function back. So Australian researchers have come up with an non-invasive ultrasound technology that clears the brain of neurotoxic amyloid plaques, structures that are responsible for memory loss and declining cognitive function in Alzheimer's patients. You know, some people say it's sugar. Some people say you eat a lot of bottom feeder fish and shrimp and stuff like that. There's this mycotoxin within it that causes this stuff. Parkinson's and different stuff like that. There's, there's a whole bunch of different reasons. But they talk here about a person who has Alzheimer's disease. It's usually the buildup of two types of lesions amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles. Amyloid plaques sit between the neurons and, and end up as dense clusters of beta amyloid molecules. So are people creating this because they're not releasing stuff at a cellular level from karma right now and they're trying to do it? You know, whatever goes on within us at a cellular level is going on at an even bigger level, Okay. So this amyloid plaque sit between the neurons and end up as dense clusters of beta amyloid molecules, a sticky type of protein that clumps together and forms plaques. And these neurofibrillary tangles are found within the neurons of the brain and they're caused by the defective tau, T-A-U, proteins that clump up into a thick and soluble mass. This causes teeny filaments called microtubules to get all twisted which disrupts the transportation of essential materials such as nutrients and organelles along them. Just like when you twist up the vacuum cleaner tube. You know, or the I was out using my hose and when the hose gets clumped off, you have no water, right? It's aggravating. So you gotta make sure those tubes are cleaned out. As we don't have any kind of vaccine or preventive measure for Alzheimer's, a disease that affects three hundred and forty three thousand people in Australia, and they talk about another 50 million worldwide, it's been a race to figure out how to best to treat it, starting with how to clear the buildup of this defective beta amyloid and tau proteins from a patient's brain. Now, a team from Queensland Brain Institute at the University of Queensland have come up with a pretty promising solution for removing the former. And publishing in uh, Science Trends, um, medicine. The team describes the technique as using a particular type of ultrasound called a focused therapeutic ultrasound which non-invasively beams sound waves into the brain tissue. By oscillating super fast, these sound waves are able to gently open the blood-brain barrier, which is a layer that protects the brain against bacteria and stimulate the brain's mycogeal cells to activate. Mycogeal cells are basically waste removal cells. So we do have those little cells that do that. So they're able to clear out the toxic beta amyloid clumps that are responsible for the worst symptoms of um, Alzheimer's. You know, I'm talking about things on a cellular level, and, uh, you know, we're clearing that. So now we're figuring out other ways to clear things. The team reports the restoring the memory function of 75% of the mice. They tested it on with zero damage to the surrounding tissue. They found um, that the treated mice displayed improved performance in three memory tasks, a maze test to get them to recognize new objects, and one to get to remember the places they should avoid. So, you know, even though, you know, I was talking about all this memory stuff and storage, and 
you know, retrieval last week or recall. Um, when you have this going on in your brain, are you? does this affect, you know, all the ganglions and neurons and synapses and all this other stuff and, you know, screw up your memories too? So this is pretty exciting and innovative type of treatment of Alzheimer's without using drugs. So Jurgen Goetz is the one that's been doing this. So anyway, they have an ABC interview with it also. So if you're interested in that, you know, go ahead and look it up. Um, so let's just see. So we we've talked about the blue butterfly, Pegasus, the squirrel, and manifesting. I talked a little bit about the monkeys. I talked about canaries, and we're we're also talking about clearing on a cellular level within the body the change in dream time, and, you know, part of the process is going on within us. The energy is changing. It's even being manifest within us in our dream time, you know, like half time, this time between, you know, being in the feminine energy and the subconscious and then kind of transitioning and back into 3D, which is kind of a reversal of the Pisces, um, energy and going from that Pisces into the Pegasus and back into the Aquarian kind of energy. So it's pretty amazing. And it has to do, I know I talked about the number 17 last week as opening. We're, we're going through some openings. And it's all about living in um, positive thoughts. You know, um, we do have these echoes of laughter from before. And we, we have to focus on that love and that, you know, that we really are connected to God. So I had this a few months ago. I had, I guess, no, what was April 10th, actually. I kept seeing these five ravens, and it was like a gateway. And it, it had to do with, um, you know, these astral planes being shut down and, and stuff like that. And I wrote about it on Facebook, so I haven't really talked about it here. There was a lot of things going on with dogs and them being emotional crutches and a lot of people's dogs dying. It has to do with this astral plane, has to do with neediness and um, that sort of energy. So I could see why that was happening. Um, humanity, like I said, shifting from two strands of DNA. Indigos have more strands of DNA, but humanity as a whole. So we're going um, through these, Humanity is going into these um, frequencies, 144 frequencies or tones, and it's affecting the joints in the body. Um, there were things going on with people walking in their sleep and having to do with uh, glass and moving forward. And, you know, the, t- the tyrancy of the mind and, and the heart, you know, that, that I was talking about the mind feeling itself separate from source, but it really isn't. Um, it's all about perception right now. And even the light workers have been having problems with all this. You know, the Aboriginal people are more connected to the earth, so they, they hold the key. You know, I am part Aboriginal, so to some degree, I hold the key. I was seeing a lot of things about time and space, and I talked a little bit about it last week. And, you know, two objects being in the same place, you know, they um, can affect one and the other. You know, you talk about 
going in and out of two realities and parallel realities. And it can affect, you know, when you have two the same object being close to each other. Um, There have been um, people trying to change the timelines to get things to a different timeline to be able to, to start something that may not be so positive. But the divine energy changes it. You know, I was talking last week about purpose and the purpose that we all have. Um, So, what is your purpose? You know, is it to be here at this time to help others and to reconnect, to feel this reconnection between source and ourselves? You know, there's Mercury retrogrades going on. There, There was that eclipse, you know, the solar eclipse and the lunar eclipse. I talked a little bit about the the um, solar eclipse uh, and and uh, the last show I did was February the 10th and before that I talked a little bit about you know these eclipses um, on a whole level you know once we've cleared things will be a lot different you know I, 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 th- I think I talked last week a little bit about the, the full moon in Capricorn uh you know, I, I mentioned on Facebook recently about people going missing, and there's a lot of different reasons why people are going missing. You know, maybe we have to look within ourselves. What 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 is missing within ourselves, or what are we looking at within ourselves? Um, there are traumatic things. A lot of people are just choose to ignore it, but we really have to look at that. Okay, <clears throat> this Venus and Taurus, very mature energy gets us looking deep within ourselves. I was talking about, you know, the Pegasus energy, um, the connecting energy, and, you know, processing memories. Um, Now when we have this eighth chakra open, it's completely different. Um, We're continuously manifesting all aspects of our lives, and we have to be aware of this. So it's important that we look at our thoughts and how and what we were manifesting for the good of all. It isn't just ourselves. And humanity is going beyond um, this matrix and in, in the process breaking the loop of time, you know, patterns that keep happening. And But we're still living in a physical uh, universe, so, you know, we're still seeing things in a physical way. Um in some ways to the squirrel lets us learn it makes us more aware of what's going on our learning experience and part of it is clearing our karma you know the blue rays help balance this you know energy of clearing of this karma energy I was going to talk about asexual people like right now more than any other time in the world Um, 1% of the people are asexual, which means something like 70 million or 80 million people. Um, Everybody's focusing on these different gender things and different things. So just be aware there are people that choose to not focus on sexuality. But we are physical beings, so, you know, that is part of who we are here. Um, Also, when we manifest, we uh, manifest in this realm, a physical realm, from the root chakra and from the earth. But we're 
using it with the heart and the crown because we're connecting to God too. So it's we're almost like manifesting in kind of like an overlap kind of way too, okay? So it's all about just trying things out and testing it and using it. But we also have to use what we have because they're being given as gifts. You know, um, there's this article that it says, um, it's about, are some dreams glimpses into parallel real realities? I know that there's a, there's a time between dreams and waking that I call halftime where we can have visions or go to other realities. I do it all the time. And I totally recall it. You know, not a lot of people do that. I'm going to take a look at this because uh, um, I popped at the picture of an earth and a whole bunch of realities, but I plucked myself right out of there. That was that was a smart thing to do. So we can plop ourselves in and out of these things. So basically, you know, dream time is an amazing time that we have. You know, um, and it can. I know that dream time can connect us to a lot of different things. Um, let's see. There's something else I wanted to talk about. Doopy doopy doo, and you know what? I did that already. That's amazing. I'm, I'm on the ball today. Oh yeah, there's this um, article: vanishing clusters of people, chilling new patterns found in mysterious disappearance on coast to coast. It's called the All News Pipeline: chilling new patterns and people vanishing. So it talks about a little bit of what I was talking about. Um, yeah, it was something. I have another thing about Alzheimer's. Um, this uh, Dr. Frank Salenberger's second opinion. He has an article here. It says Alzheimer's is supposed to be a disease that's incurable, and yet some, but not all, patients with Alzheimer's definitely get better with treatment. So what? So why is that? Why do some get better and some don't? As amazing new study offers a good answer and confusing question, and the answer might be surprising to more than a few who believe that treating Alzheimer's is just a waste of time. So by reading or the other one that I read, talking about that ultrasound treatment, you know, it just says, the, recently wondered if the reason was because so many different causes senility, and maybe some patients have several senility problems. So it's important that we look at it as a whole, you know, at, and as there's more of the population aging, we really have to look at this. <clears throat> They, they talk about this group of more than a thousand people who have been getting regular cognitive testing during the last years of their lives. Some of them died with a specific uh, diagnosis of Alzheimer's. Some with a diagnosis of another form of dementia. Some died without any cognitive impairment at all. The researchers then correlated the patient's cognitive scores with the microscopic examination of the brains. You know, we're talking about these little scars or these little things in the brain that are clogging up stuff. They specifically look for evidence of these five different brain maladies that cause dementia. Alzheimer's, Lewy body dementia, hippocampal sclerosis, myoinfarcts, mini strokes, and low brain weight. So use that brain. Don't let that brain go. Get get the muscle of the brain going, including the muscle of the body. So if your muscle of your body's gone down, you can lay 10 to 1, the brain's gone down too. 
First thing they found was effective, the greater level of cognitive uh, impairment the patients had, the greater the brain abnormalities. So if you're seeing a patient getting confused and all those other things, there's a lot more going on in the brain. So they were looking at different types of brain abnormalities. They looked at the brains of people who never developed dementia, and they found that it was rare for them to, to have more than one abnormality. So the total number of different causes of dementia were a lot more likely to predict who had severe cases than one brain abnormality. And here's the critical point. Most of the cases of severe dementia that have been labeled as Alzheimer's were in the fact combinations of different brain ailments rather than Alzheimer's alone. So it's important that we look at that. So it was Alzheimer's was only the main cause in 50% of those cases. And that's not all. They discovered that most men and women who had significant cognitive impairment during the final years had few or no Alzheimer's type or abnormalities. Now, why am I so excited about this report? It's because there just, any, there, there just isn't anything out there that can be done right now to stop a reverse per case of Alzheimer's. But according to the study, the worst cases of proposed Alzheimer's are actually combinations of different conditions. There are treatments that can be done to prevent and reverse some of these other conditions. So it's possibly better that a 50% chance that a patient with a diagnosis of Alzheimer's will become better with the right treatment. Here's a list of what can work. Disodium ADTA chelation um, therapy, controlling blood sugar, regular exercise, controlling blood pressure, nutritional supplements, ozone therapy, and hormonal replacement. So if you have a loved one who's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, or any other kind of a dementia, don't give up. So just let let you know that it's not fixed in stone, okay? And, uh, you know, this um, this is pretty amazing. I was talking about that, um, you know, one in a hundred people are asexual, and they picked it for a reason. You know, there could be a lot of different reasons, but... Maybe it's focus on the spiritual for some people. You know, we're living, like I said, in a physical realm, so um, I don't say to people, don't be sexual. Be with somebody that you love, though, um, um, that I was talking about. Um, I'm just trying to get to it now. They're talking about dreams and whether it's we're actually going to parallel universes or we're seeing. You know, some people say that you know we're seeing into the future or something, and we can do it with this. Can some of our dreams be glimpses of events taking place in alternate reality, parallel universe? It says you know for a thousand years people have wondered what the meaning of dreams. Why do some people dream about future events? Why do some dreams are full of hidden meaning? It has to do with the unconscious and the feminine energy and things we can't access because we've cut ourselves off with them. But our dreams start changing once we open that all those chakras, right? Eighth chakra. And it goes on to say our ancestors were curious about dreams as modern scientists are today. Ancient Greeks and Romans believed dreams provided messages from the gods. In ancient China, people treated dreams as a way to visit the world of the dead, and ancient Egyptians were convinced that those who can dream, interpret dreams possess special powers. You know, I interpret my dreams. 
Um, I've had dreams about going to to um, astral realms or to really yucky realms and really good realms and all sorts of things. But I've also had visions and had that tween time. So, you know, what would think was really a dream may be something totally different. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Many Native American tribes and Mexican civilization believe dreams are a different world we, we visit when we sleep. The word dream comes from the old English word that means joy and music. So it's a way of releasing unconscious energy. You know, what we've held at a cellular level. Once we get rid of that, you know, the dreams will be completely different. I know that. There are expressions of thoughts, feelings, and events that pass through our minds when we're sleeping. Uh, and I was talking about, you know, seeing um, in the mirror on Facebook the other day. And uh, we were talking about um, the timeline changes and seeing things differently. Um, you know, some people are seeing differences in things, like books are being called different names, like an interview with a vampire, and then it became interview with a vampire. I remember when it was a vampire, and then the frame on my picture is different, and I had the same frame as a friend of mine. So I went to the friend's house. This happened on Saturday. I had a lot of different things going on. I noticed that a tree I had planted in my front yard was in a different position. So, you know, we're reflections, and things are reflected around us that are changed, you know? I think they were saying, too, on this film, they were saying, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest one of all? And that even changed. So they went to the old movie, and it had was different. So our dreams are reflections of what we can can experience or what we see and what we feel are things that we've suppressed. When you live in fifth dimensional consciousness, you don't suppress things anymore, that's for sure. And you go through a process when you shift. So people wonder what the shift is. It has to do with changing the mind, the way you see things, the way you feel, feeling from the heart, not living from ego or living in a material sense. Um, it's a little bit different, okay? Or quite a bit different, actually. So dreams can be in color and include all the senses, smells, sights, sounds, tastes, and things we, we touch. You know, the memory thing. You know, I was talking about, I remembered smells and things and experiences that I had when I was in my aunt's house by just going back to this town. We know more about the science of dreaming because researchers can take pictures of people's brains while they're sleeping. I actually had a sleep study done on me because my brain works differently. And that's a whole other story. But over the years, scientists have learned a lot about dreams, but there's still many things that remain unknown. We will elaborate more on the subject and raise the idea that some of our most mysterious and special dreams could be glimpses from invisible parallel worlds that exist next to our own reality. So we're just taking that little step over. You know, like I was talking about those different constellations, they're kind of overlapping each other. Well, we exist in all reality simultaneously. But the awareness, when we open up our eighth chakra, we're aware that we're hopscotching between realities. So they can be, in, you know, in color. And um, they can film the brain now and know that something is going on in there. But there's things that are unknown. But when you're in fifth dimensional consciousness, the unknown becomes the known. That's what it, it's all about. 
each moment. So things will be different in each moment, but it's it's the unknown becoming known. It's about knowing. I know things that, you know, people say, well, how do you know that? The information just comes to me. It's called knowing. So I know that we do go to parallel universes. But some people are aware and some people aren't. We will, it just says they will elaborate on more of it later. So, for almost 100 years, science has been haunted by dark secrets that may be mysterious hidden worlds behind our human senses. You know, Freud talks about dreams. Erickson talked about dreams. Jung talked about dreams. Mystics had long claimed there's such places, and I'm a mystic. They say they said they're full of ghosts and spirits. I've also been to those realms. The last thing science wanted to was associated with superstition, but ever since the 1920s, physics physicists have been uh, trying to make sense of this uncomfortable discovery. They tried to pinpoint the exact location of atomic particles like electrons. They found it utterly impossible. But, you know, maybe, and I'm sure at some point in time, they will find that. There's no single location. And this is one of the reasons why scientists are becoming more and more interested in the possible existence of parallel worlds. The only explanation that everyone would come up with is that particles just don't exist in our universe. They flit to exist in other universes too. So the vibrational energy, you know. We've created these other realities and ourselves in these other realities. And some of us are aware of it. And some of us actually can manifest ourselves in that way around other people, because people say they've seen me, okay? So that's just really interesting, I think. So that's why I'm talking about it. And there was a parallel universe in which Napoleon won the Battle of Waterloo and another empire it held on to an American colony. So, you know, some people were talking the other day, they remember taking a ferry to Brooklyn, and other people don't remember they think the bridge has always been there. So somehow this universe, you know, has shifted. People see things one way and other people see other things another way. So people say, everybody that, you know, the people that see things in this one way that's different than everybody else's, they may be shifting consciousness in a way that's different, okay? And they may be going somewhere. That's what people propose. Maybe that's part of the reason why people are suddenly disappearing, you know? The multiverse is a theory in which our universe is not only one, but states that many parallel universes exist, and they exist next to each other. These distinct universes within multiverse theory are called parallel universes. Of course, the multiverse theory is just a theory, the existence of parallel universes. You know, some people, like they've said, the mystics have seen them, and the existence of parallel universes has not been proven, and they debate this among physicists. The very definition of universe, one might expect the, the notion of multiverse to be forever in the dominion of metaphysics. So, you know, we talk about different timelines, and people say in time and space there's time, time loops were created, and with these time loops became different realities, and things would be depending on how far away they are from each other. Like when we have, um, you know, Pisces and Aquarius, when they're separated by, um, you know, Pisces 
and Aquarius are separated by this Pegasus energy, they're totally different. So maybe from the Pisces to the Aquarius is this big jump, but there's an in-between part. So the further we get away from the parallel universes that are further away from us, the bigger the changes and the bigger the time loops. But I know that this, these things are shifting now. And when we take in this energy, it shifts things within us. And that's why people are remembering the dreams and the dreams are becoming like different. And um, the awareness is becoming more apparent because we're expanding, okay? We're becoming more aware of the oneness. Anyway, they go on to say that... Um, in a parallel world, there would be a copy of yourself. This life of this person has been identical to yours. I've actually seen my parallel self in another reality. Other people have seen seen it too, so it's not just me that has... Um, and they talk about recurring dreams, which I've had. I had one for 20 years. They go on to say a lot of many, many different things, and you can do a little bit more ringer at this, but who knows, perhaps some of our most special dreams are window to a parallel universe. We talk about being speculative, and we asked ourselves the profound question about the nature of reality. Do we expect an answer that sounds strange? Well, truth is stranger than fiction sometimes. Evolution provided us with intuition for everyday physics that survived and value for our distant ancestors. So whatever we venture beyond the everyday world, we would expect to seem bizarre. So things that seemed very strange 500 years ago, are like everyday things to us, like gravity and the world being round, yada, 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 and all those different things. So um, that's a lot to put out at you today. Um, I share things that have to do with how things are changing around us. Um, Anyway, so people have logged out, I guess, um, I don't have any listeners right now, so just know that there's a lot of changes going on, and whatever we have within us are manifested around outside of us. We can control our thoughts, and um, I guess when we we get rid of all the stuff that we're holding within us, we don't have any trouble being positive and having the joy around us. My totem is the blue light butterfly, and it brings joy within me. The squirrel is just energy that's um, making me aware of things around me, what I have to look at within myself. Um, There's nothing wrong or anything negative about living in one consciousness or the other. It's just more magical to live in the fifth dimensional consciousness. When I do this... um, type of show and I'm I'm talking and about the snowing. You know, it, it, it there's energy that's channeled through me. So um just know that humanity's changing and things are becoming um less complicated, even though what I was talking about today, you know, as we go more into knowing, things become more simple for us and living in joy and manifesting what we want around us is is important. We can manifest a whole new world. And that's what the shift is all about. Okay? Much love. Take care. 
Thank you for listening to This Dimensional Living with your host, Diane Bachberger, bringing awareness to our world of greater love. For more information on Diane, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash dbachberger1. May your hearts and minds always be open to experiencing a greater world. Thank you.